Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Don, it's been a while. What's going on? Yeah, so that's that's really what's been going on is is we I've been away from the house. So let's see. I left the house to go to South Dakota on June 19th, and here it is, July 14th. Yeah. So in almost a month, I was probably home six days. Uh, <laughs> went to went to South Dakota for a week, uh, did an officiating conference up there, tied it together with, you know, a family vacation, seeing Mount Rushmore and things mm-hmm. like that, um, which was fine. Mount Rushmore was good. Um uh there the crazy horse memorial um which is a little lesser known it's actually a mountain carving in progress Hmm. um so it 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 was actually fascinating um to sit you can you've got the 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 crazy horse's face out uh in the mountain already but they have a whole they've got the whole rendering of him, you know, pointing and on a horse and they're showing you everything it's going to be. Um, but they've been at it, you know, 50 years. Yeah. So it's a question of when. Um, but I, I, I find that utterly fascinating that you go back in 50 years and it might be completely different. Um, then came home for, for a couple days. And then over July 4th, we did a board game conference locally. Um, which is, which sounds weird, but it's actually great because there, there's a library of games that you that you may never purchase, but you get to check out and try. Yeah. Um. So that's why we do it is, is for that, and we get a bunch of friends together, and it's actually it's a good relaxing weekend. I told work not to bother me at all, because <laughs> um, it was July Fourth weekend. I'm like, we're not open. Yeah. So if 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 there's an emergency, somebody will deal with it. And we'll go for there. So I, I was able to disconnect for a while. And then I turned around, got home Sunday, flew out Monday to to Long to Los Angeles to go to a convention in Long Beach for Aspire EDU. So got back Friday and finally I can relax. Finally I'm home for a little while and 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 that it it, it it's one of those things where you, you travel that much, you're finally like, okay, can I just rest for a little while yeah yeah I so get it. um yeah what what what's going on with you oh so i started the new gig at hierology yep. um yep. been in the depths of learning a new language we talked about this on this old app learning go learning service-oriented architecture learning how to work how a i'm learning a lot more agile management than i've ever learned before because they have a pretty, I would call it a well-oiled engineering team of about 30 people, all remote. So I'm, I would say from a leadership and management standpoint of running a remote team, I've learned, I'm learning a, a ton of stuff. Sure. Um, oh, something that we should talk about in the future. They use a system called EOS. It's called the Entrepreneur Entrepreneurship Operating System. It's a okay. it's one of those it's one of those like someone wrote a book or a series of books and they do trainings and stuff and it's um, the way that you can run a growing startup 
or a growing um, organization. And I got to say, I like it. I think okay. it's, it makes things very clear from a goal setting standpoint, from a, uh, the values of the company standpoint. So that's definitely something we can talk about. So I'm learning about that. I mean, you know, I've done, I've, I've put together teams. I've run the whole tech operation for small companies. So I've done all these things, but I've never done them on the scale that um, Hierology is at. And so I'm learning a ton of stuff about how do you organize 30 people to work well together and be efficient right. together. And that is actually really exciting to, to be a part of and see it the way it's working here. So I've been doing that. Um, this is my first summer living in Lake Quivira, Kansas. And people said, hey, the summer is what you live for here. And they are right. Because you may have been traveling, but as soon as Friday hits, I feel like I'm on vacation for the next two days. And then I go and I just basically turn around and go, you know, work in my office at home. But outside our house is just a vacation, a lake vacation. Sure. And that's different. Like I've never, <laughs> I've never really had that. It's so easy of access. So, right. um, so yeah, it's been a, a mix of learning a new job and every all the stresses and uh, new stuff that, and energy that comes with that. And then on the flip side, Hey, I'm going to go and laze away on the lake for the next two days. And I've done that the last four weeks. It seems 4th of July is a big, is like the biggest holiday here. So the whole city was packed with people and just, that was fun. We had a lot of family visit and all that good stuff. And so Next week, I'm heading into Chicago. We do an on-site where we bring the entire engineering team, fly them in. We all work with the rest of the company that is on-site in Chicago. And so I have no idea what's in store. I have lots of things set up for meetings and um, like a whirly ball type of uh, team kind of just, you know, outings and stuff like that. So that's what I'm looking forward to is meeting the people that I've been chatting with through Slack and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, but we, the we, other, we, 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 we've, we've got, we've got to stop you on whirly ball there. Cause you know what whirly ball is. I know what whirly ball is, but we, we have to educate the world for those who don't know what whirly ball is. It's a mix it's of, like, uh, how do you, is it Jai Lai? Is that what you call it? Is that the high lie? It's a mix of high lie lacrosse and bumper cars. It's awesome. It. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty, it's yeah. You're basically, you've got this little cup handler. You have a, you have a wiffle ball type ball. You've got goals on either end of this court. You've got bumper cars and you're basically playing this like high lie soccer in a bumper car thing. Alcohol is almost always involved. Um, you can't really hurt anybody that I can remember. Uh, we used to play. I, I, I've, I've T-boned. I've T-boned people pretty well in that game. Yeah. Well, that's part <laughs> of the point. And uh, yeah, so that's basically, that's basically it. Um, but it's a, it's a good, it's one of those things where anybody can play. 
You don't have to be like an right. athlete or something. Apparently, there's right. someone on my team that is very tall. I want to see what his wingspan advantage is in this type of game. But I don't know if his knee, yeah. I don't know if his legs will fit in the bumper car, so that might be the downfall. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's what we're aiming to do, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting some new folks that you know. Um, it was always I've never started it with a company that was 100% remote in the sense of the engineering team, so I can kind of see the value of bringing everybody in for at least you know, one or two weeks a year just to keep that culture sure. going and stuff. So, yeah. So that's what's on my agenda. That's what's been going on. And, and so I have, well, I admit that I, and this is probably a good thing. I have been looking at Twitter less over the last few weeks. I've been really focused on the new yeah, gig, sure. but nothing. It seems like within my circle of Twitter lists and people I follow, this some some person. What's their name? Shakar Karani is the way I'm going to pronounce it. I have no idea who he is. Maybe he's famous. Some startup person, investor. Um, the only company I know on his list of investments is Browser Stack. He basically made a post, a series, one of those like Twitter lists of several tweets tied together regarding the 10x, the 10 times engineer. Sure. This is a concept I've heard forever. Before I make any comments, what do you think? Like I can read (laughs) I can read the tweet. Basically, the first tweet is. 10 times engineers, founders, if you ever come across this rare breed of engineers, grab them. If you have a 10 times engineer as part of your first few engineers, you increase the odds of your startup success significantly. Okay, here's a tough question. How do you spot a 10 times engineer? Yeah, yeah, that's, that, it, 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 it's, okay, so at the, I don't want to say he's categorically wrong. <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to hedge just a touch. I'm not going to say he's categorically wrong because he what he's saying is if you find one, grab them. So I think there are a ton of caveats there, but we'll get into the caveats. Um, the, the benefit is if you've got somebody who's really sharp and, and is really good at developing, yeah, that's going to accelerate your, your, your startup, the, the building of your software. Um, now let's get into the caveats. So we've touched, I, I brushed on the positive of it, but let's get into the caveats. But wait, let's define a 10 times engineer in your mind. First. Okay. What is yeah. the definition of a 10 times engineer? Oh, I, 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 don't, I, I would, I'm going to be very, uh, very simplistic about it. And I'm going to be at somebody who, who's got a, a good amount of experience who, who can, who can visualize, um, the way to code a problem faster than, than your average engineer. Um, and, and who's just got a wealth of knowledge in his, either in his head or at his disposal to where, any problem presented to them is is resolved much quicker than others. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. What's your definition? Ten times engineer in my world that I've as best as I can understand other people defining it is someone that they truly they have a really good short term and long term memory. So they remember everything about a language, a coding language. Um, they understand uh, the coding paradigms pretty well, it, like in the sense of the various ways that software development is done across all sorts of languages. They sure. are extremely bright and can build almost anything you need a solution to by themselves. They're really fast. Um, those are all the positives. Like they, they stand out amongst yeah. your team about how bright they are and um, their ability to solve software problems quickly. Right. Out of the, I want to say I know four people that I would put in that category. Not only. Yeah, I'd probably only hire two of them to work with other people. Yeah, I would. I would say. I, I I would I would go there. I'd say I probably know roughly four, and 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 each of the four has, um, ever everybody has a different personality. Yeah. But each of the four has has personality um, quirks that need to be dealt with. So um, it's a question of do they fit in your team as well? Yeah. So so now we've defined the ten times engineer. Go into your caveat part. So the caveat is, is the caveats are really what I was what I was saying, which is they've got to fit in your team. So that the, the tweet says when you're starting up. So that's a that could be a statement that's your first one. And if it's your first one, if if that person fits in with the founder, then you're going to get stuff done. Um, but as the team grows, you start to get into the, the personality quirks and is there, is there a fit? Yeah. Um, and um, there are some 10x engineers that they know everything and they know they know everything. Um, so they tend to not have, uh, I'm being generalistic, but some some of the caveats are, they have to be willing to teach, um, willing to uh, exchange information with the team, um, and that that's important as the team grows. They have to be willing to take direction, um, which is the flip side. Yeah. Um, that they, that they, they're they're uh, they tend to do a lot of good stuff, so they 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 tend to not want to take direction. Um, those are two off the top of my head. What else do you have? Well, they lack empathy for people. I mean, by that's yeah, that's, that's a, all that's I got. That's like the bold flat line. Now, actually, I, I know six people. I've counted while you're talking. I know six people I consider ten times engineers. Two of them 
I would work with, with a group of people. The other ones I'd be like, I'm going to give you some problems, but you don't need, I don't need you to, I don't need your caustic um, approach to higher than thou opinions of everyone else's code and approach to be bleeding into my culture. The two people that are, that I consider 10x that are, they have empathy for other people. They get along well with others. They, one is a manager of people and the other, I don't know that they want to be a manager, but so easy to work with and so extremely talented. And so for those two folks, right. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to put them there. They're 10 times, but I'm not going to shove them into that negative category that which Twitter is going after um, violently. Right. I mean, if you think about it, Google built themselves up on the backs of 10 times folks. Like, sure. And sure. Amazon does too. And you can't really knock what they've built. Like they have built billion dollar effective technology entities on the backs of this aim for 10 times engineers. I think it's about, yes, there's now this um, generalization about that type of individual and how it works in a startup. And, and so like the, the comments that this, that Mr. Karani made the first thing he said of how to spot a 10 times engineer is 10 times engineers hate meetings. Well, shit, I guess I'm a 20 <laughs> times engineer because I hate meetings too. So, wow. I just, I just nailed the first one. Like I'm not a 10 times engineer. Um, but the, like, sure. But maybe it's more, maybe is, Hey, founders reduce the meetings period. Like, yeah, that, that, that's, that, the, that's, that's a such silly a, one dumb way to start the it's not a great way to start your how do you spot one oh do they like meetings right if a, me, if a developer likes meetings you have a manager like that's what you're you're hiring right <laughs> but even then it's like that's just a weird start um timings in the office for the 10 times engineer is highly irregular well okay again i don't see that as necessarily a great trait for anybody that's working with a team like that is not you can't look at someone and go oh do you have do you work a nor a nine to five well maybe you're not 10 times engineer um (laughs) (laughs) i mean at first when i read these this how many did he have he had like 11 items and I was like, this is a, he, this dude's making fun of 10 times engineers. And then I realized, oh, wait, he's not. He's actually taking this serious. So the right. problem with a, getting away from this really bad list of how you'd spot one, the, the 10 times engineers that I've worked with went through, there's different phases. One of them wanted their own time schedule. Right. And they got it because the idea was when they were available for a different amount of time, they would be at their utmost availability and valuable to the team. And in every instance that 
this was attempted to put this person with a team at their schedule. The rest of the team was either annoyed by it, because not so much because they wanted that same time. It's more of, we got to wait on this person now because they're not available. And we're all trying to get this work right. done on the days that this person is out because they aren't working the same schedule as us. So there's dependencies here that we can't even communicate about. So that was an annoyance. No one actually complained about this person working this set amount of time. It was strictly about, we just can't communicate. They're, just, they're not even available in this, these other times. So that didn't work very well. Right. Um, the other thing is I inherited this person's code a number of times and it always looked like they were experimenting on stuff versus actually building code for the rest of the team. And their problem with the, the their solution to the problem was always written differently than the standard you would expect. And this is Ruby on rails. It's like, I've never seen Ruby on rails code written this way. They're doing their own thing. It solves a problem, right? but I have to maintain it. And now I'm holding the bag of this per this 10 times person's code that doesn't relate to anything else in our code base. And that was part of the isolation right. part. It was like, okay, we are writing everything with three people over here and one person on their own. And I didn't see the benefit to that tremendously. Right. Um, on the flip side of that, I have a team of three people. We run into something we've never seen in terms of the code that we, the problem we need to solve and how it's going to move onto the host that we're hosting it with. So we bring in a 10 times engineer right. who basically just takes the reins and just plows us through this problem within a week. And I'm like, this will take us two weeks to three weeks at our current, at the level of stuff we know and how much stuff we have to do. And that person man, took us into the landing and it wasn't bad code. It was great code. That person taught us some things. Um, wasn't a jerk and was like, okay, this is exactly why we need this other person, this person's skills to be part of this team, even though we only get that person for a set amount of time. So, was it beneficial to have a 10 time person there? Yes. And the, but I guess the side effect is when this person was on other teams for a long time, no one junior could work with them because the, the patience level that the 10 times person had for the junior was just inexistent. Like they just weren't, they would, like they were willing right. to teach other people that were experienced that could catch on. But if someone was at the very beginning, it's like, I ain't got time for this. And it's like, okay, that's not going to help anybody. Like we, you can't survive on a diet of only senior developers at a company. Like you have to have juniors coming on board at a lower rate and then work them up. That's how a software ex team exists over time is the ability to grow right. a team and not just pay top dollar for all seniors. And so that 10 times person was extremely valuable on one hand and then detrimental to the growing culture on the other. So, yeah, I mean, 
I mean, I guess from the standpoint of I've seen both sides of the value and the, the side effects, I can't totally say that I'm going to bash the 10 time person of being a value, but I'm also, there's just, you have to know what you're getting into if you hire that type of personality. And, and just the attitude is, is, is the wrong attitude to start with. So what, what, so we had April Wenzel on, uh, back when we started this thing, we had April Wenzel on to talk about compassionate yeah. coding. Um, one of our first guests, um, and, and she gave a talk at South by Southwest last year, um, literally titled forget hiring 10 X engineers, build a 10 X mm-hmm. team. Um, and one of the quotes she pulled out for, for that, um, presentation was, uh, by Bruce Tolgan, um, in closing the soft skills gap, he wrote, even if the computer programmer can write great code very fast, if that programmer cannot understand the needs and objectives of business owners or users, that programmer is going to write a lot of great code yeah. to nowhere. So that goes back to what you were saying about empathy. Yeah. Um, it, it is that, 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 that trait is also part of a good engineering team. Empathy is absolutely part of a, of an engineering team. Um, the, the second thing I'll add is while I was at the conference this week, um, Malcolm Gladwell uh, was one of the keynote speakers. And what he did was he, he had a talk or, or a podcast that he put out. His revisionist podcast, revisionist history podcast is out there. There's an episode in there um, about higher education and, and, this particular one was about um, donations. Do you donate to um, your top schools to further their causes or do you donate to lesser schools with lesser endowments to raise them? Um, and the argument he brought forward was the, the strong link versus weak, mm-hmm. weak link theory. So this is from uh, a book called The Numbers Game, While well, Everything You Know About Soccer is Wrong, um, <laughs> by Chris Anderson and David Sally. So what the book goes into is, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of truisms and, and things about soccer that they, they applied um, statistics to. And one of the theories they brought up was that the idea of a, a weak link system versus a strong link system. Um, a weak link system is, is like soccer that the, you're only as good as your weakest link. Um, your worst player is going to be the, the, the part, the one that gives up the goal that decides the game because because yeah. goals are so precious in soccer. Um, so it, it, that's a weak link system where, where you're weak, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Basketball on the other hand, is more of a strong link um, system. If you've got LeBron James or, or Michael Jordan, you're going to go far. Um, you're as strong as your strongest link. Unless it's, um, unless it's Carmar- you Carmelo Anthony, who is known to be score over win. That doesn't help. Yes. No. And, and that's, that's a great example, right? Is, is uh, one of your 10X players is too worried about yeah. the, the stat line. Um, so he actually said in his talk that 
software was a strong link system. He actually believes that. And that's where your statement that Google built their thing on 10x players and Amazon built their things on 10x players. That's a true statement. However, we talked about it afterwards as a company and we're like, but we're not a strong link company. We are very much a weak Mm -hmm. link company. Um, And I, I truly believe as a, as a small company, you are weak link. You, you're only as good as your your weakest. So, um, bringing in that that, that uh, a very strong person who who overrides the personality of the company is just going to wreck everything because it's not going to bring along everybody yeah. else that needs to help to grow that company. Um, and and so when when we when that whole conversation on Twitter came out about 10x, it was about the same day that. Gladwell was was giving this talk and I was like, oh, those two things fit perfectly. Um, and But it's also very apparent that it's not a, it, it, there's certainly sides to the argument. There's sides that say you have to have that 10X guy and there's sides that say, no, that's the wrong approach. And I would even say those aren't two opposite sides. They're just yeah. different ways of looking at it. Um, that, that, the, the side that's saying that's the wrong approach, isn't saying 10 X engineers are toxic because that's too broad a statement. Um, there are certainly some who are helpful. It's that 10 X thinking is toxic, um, which is, which is more the, the yeah, proper I mean, way of thinking. About it. If you were to say to me, you get a 10 X engineer or you get five X with plus empathy i'm taking the 5x plus empathy because really someone who has empathy is going to be able to work with marketing product other people in the company customers users all that and they're going to have superior tech skills over the 1x but that i mean that's what i would aim for the all i don't know what you call them all-star all-star in sports is a all around great player that is better than the most of the league, but you know, they're all-star typically isn't, um, they're not going to be all about just scoring. They're going to be good about defense and scoring and working within the team structure. So I'm looking always to work with exceptional engineers. I have empathy to work with other people to write code, and this is what I always tell my students, write your code for two people. The person that has to inherit your code and maintain it so that you can go on and do more, like better things or, or more cool things, and yourself when you get handed back the code you wrote six months ago. And you will definitely, you can, you should definitely have empathy for the person that inherits your stuff but you will kick yourself if you have to take it back and you are like, what the heck did I set up for myself? So uh, like, I, I want to get those people that are five X plus empathy way more than I want those 10 X. And I got to deal with all the other crap that comes along with it. Um, right. Again, you can find 10 Xers that work very well with other people that have empathy. They just right. don't ever tell you about right. it. They're, they typically are more humble yeah. and they don't broadcast that they're 10X. And that's the harder part is they are quiet. <laughs> they, you're not going to find them bragging about themselves. 
guess what? Are they, uh, do they hate meetings any more than any other person? (laughs) Well, (laughs) no, they don't because why? Because they have empathy, right? They hate it. Everyone hates excessive meetings. So the, everyone hates meetings. Okay. Everyone hates meetings. Um, even us managers, (laughs) Randy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) everyone hates meetings. Um, and, and, do they do they set their own time schedule? Again, no, because of empathy. They they might prefer a time schedule, but who doesn't prefer their own yeah. time schedule? Um, so it, it it's very much. Uh, I I completely agree. Most ten X engineers are full stack. Okay, I get that. I'm full stack, and yes, it's very valuable to know the front end and back end because I have empathy for the what both sides of the team are going through. So thumbs up. I get that one. I, 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 that of all of them, I almost disagree with that one the most. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> because uh, it, it, it's yes. Having a good full stack developer is nice, but there's a lot to be said with being, um, being really good at one part of that. Oh yeah. There's um, value in that, but because it, it, it I, I, I just can't buy that they're, they're, that's a good categorization. Go on. Uh, I, well, as a found, if you're a founder hiring a few people, yes, like you, you have full case, stack I'll people. You have yeah. full stack yeah. people on your team. Yeah. I mean, but you can that, only but hire so many a, people. Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess in that instance you're right in the context of being a startup i'll I'll allow that (laughs) i'll Um, allow that argument uh let's see oh 10x engineers rarely look at help documentation of classes or methods that is complete crap every 10x engineer (laughs) i know looks at documentation all of them but but are they on classes or methods yeah uh, I mean, that's, it's. I'm I'm, I'm uh, picking because that's just a very that's a very detailed um, statement. They know it in memory and can recall from memory. Yeah, but guess what? If you've if you if you've memorized a version of the API and it changes, you're gonna have to look it up. Like yeah. that's and, a, and knowing and and thinking you know it is is a fallacy because things change. That's so that one's just dumb. Like, I don't know. None of the 10X folks I know don't look at documentation to figure out what they're doing. That's just ridiculous. Um, 10X engineers are poor mentors as they can't teach others on what to do or partial the work. Um, Okay. So that's probably what we've been talking about. They are also poor interviewers. Uh, Okay. I don't know about that. Um, but I will say that if you're going to hire a 10x and 10 times engineer in this mode, hire them as a consultant, hand them projects yeah. isolated from the team. Then, yeah, like, like I don't know that you need them full time. Um, 10x engineers don't hack things; <laughs> they write quality code. Oh, that's BS. I've gotten plenty of <laughs> I've gotten plenty of 10 times code handed to me to maintain, and I'm like, they hack this together. I don't care. They did it fast and they solved the problem. They were under constraints that I, I'm not going to 
criticize him on, but it wasn't like I was handed this beautiful code that made that worked as well as everyone as they thought it did. Um, 10x engineers rarely job hunt or move out of the company. The, yeah, that's BS too. Uh, that that sounds so, completely counterintuitive. Yeah. There are mercenaries in that sense. They get tired of the companies they work with. They get tired of the problem. Yeah. Because they've solved it. They won't move on to the next problem. And as a company grows, there you get more people problems involved. And yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously Twitter went after this dude's list with the fervor I've never, I've, across like every group I'm, I've tracked. Oh yeah. <laughs> Even so that the baseball people I track, which now like I have this category of Twitter users that track baseball um, research because there's a lot of data involved in that. And even those people started talking about 10x engineers and how they can't work in baseball outfits because there's a lot of human elements that you have to know to really use the data correctly. And right. Even the baseball people are like, have you seen what's going on with this 10 times engineer thing? And they all laugh about how <laughs> they'd never survive in their industry if they acted like that. So it's like, I think, and, and here's the other side of it. There's a lot of 10 times um, phonies. Yep. People that act like they're 10 times, treat other people and teams like they're 10 times. They're bright but they are not actually that good at the end of the day with what they deliver. That's probably the more, that's probably where the risk is, is that writing software is not just about writing software. That's why the five no. times plus empathy is so much more valuable um, than anything else in my mind. So, so I want to collate everything that, 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 that was in this tweet storm and, and tell all the developers out there that if you want to be paid like a 10x engineer, all you have to do is walk into the interview, completely blow the interview, um, <laughs> tell them you hate meetings and that this is one of them and you just don't stand for them. Mm -hmm. And then tell them this was a bad time for you and you, they should have scheduled on your time. That sounds like a winning attitude to go into a, a, a job evaluation with. Well, uh, it, the thing is, this dude is part of a VC community, I guess, and they all yeah. talk to each other and hire the same ways. Yeah. What I like, what, what I thought is funny is if we rewind back to my interviews with people, I definitely interviewed with people that were 10 times engineers. Yeah. They, they got elevated to management roles, and they would tell me, all these things that they expected out of their developers and stuff. And then I'm like, so where, why are you hiring right now? And they're like, well, I lost all of my developers. I mean, I'm rebuilding the team. <laughs> and I was like, Oh really? <laughs> like there's a reason. Yeah, totally a reason. And I basically was like, yeah, I'm not going to move forward with this. Cause I knew exactly what I'd be joining. So 10 times engineers also think that they're good with people. Like that's the other side. They think they are good with people. And so that, that goes into the people I know, a few of them that are 10 times. They really do think that 
the way that they mentor people, the way they talk to people, the way they teach is actually great. It's very effective that, that, that people should conform right. to how they teach and not the other way around The people should, right. that they should teach, they, they should conform their learning to the way people are learning and how they onboard. And that's probably the most devastating part about a 10 X is that if they're talking to a non-technical person, they will convey the idea that they are great with people when they right. really are not. So that's probably the biggest risk. Um, yeah. And I, I, you, you pointed out, you said this was, this is Silicon Valley thinking Yeah, and it really, it, it, it's VC thinking and to, to, uh, I'll be a little bit more specific It's VC thinking because at the end of the day, what, are, what are VCs after VCs are after that one home run. They're willing to live with, you know, 10 to 20 complete bomb outs for that one home run. Yeah. That's the kind of scenario you want a 10x engineer in. If you want to only be successful 5% of the time, sure. You give me 20 companies with, with a 10x engineer, I'll make one of them work because I'll have found that one 10x engineer that, that also has empathy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then it works. So it, it, it's, it's, there, there's so I, I, I went through a period where I was really interested in, in VC thinking and all that, but I've, I've so completely flipped that it just doesn't. Yeah, you want to go make your billion dollar company, go make your billion dollar company. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with my million dollar company. Um, yep. And uh, like, it's funny because I see like someone like Yehuda Katz um, is replying, he's like, Teams with these 10x engineers are toxic as hell. I've been on them. And then he goes into kind of supporting our statements. But I, I'm like, I've I've met Yehuda and I use a lot of the stuff he built. Yehuda is like 20 times, but not with any of the yeah. negative traits. He is someone that, that is brilliant, can work with others, um, is like has has built software for people that does great things. And his is part of the good side of he's a part of the positive side of software culture. So right. 10 times people exist that are actually great at everything. And he's right. one of them. And I've worked with them. Like there's people that I would hire in a heartbeat if I had a budget and a need, because I know they are exceptional on both the people and software side. And so they, if you want to say that 10 times is just a bad branding is a brand for a bad developer that thinks too highly of themselves. And okay, sure. That's, that's what we'll put it at. But I've worked with people that are very, very productive and can work well with others and they exist. Right. And they are, right. they are valuable and you should find them and put and hope to get them on your team. Um, if they're smart, they won't cost or if they're smart, they will cost a lot, but they're worth it. Right. But you're never going to, f if you hire people based on antisocial behavior, which is what this person was basically saying you'll, you should look for. Oh, yeah. You're going to get crap. You're going to hate yourself at the end of it. Um, and then you're going to hire someone like me, and I'm going to have to tell you what's going to cost to fix the problems because a team can't work on the software this way. And that's... Right. But I've I've inherited those projects, and yep. I would say that aspects of 
almost every project I've, every company software that I've been on, a bigger company that's been around, let's say more than five years, had like a core of two to three developers that started everything from scratch. And then the team is, is constantly complaining about what those three people built, two to three people built. Right. And I can only say that I felt, I feel that I did the same thing with a startup I worked at. And I, when I, every time I wrote the code, I thought about the fact that my team would have to inherit what I wrote and someone else would have to inherit this. Am I building this in the way that makes sense for that phantom person? And I, and I guarantee you, someone has said, who like did a get blame on the code and said, who the hell wrote this? And then my name popped up and they're like, screw that guy. I guarantee you right. somebody has done that over there. But I hope, right. but I've heard that it's still running smoothly and not a lot of stress around maintenance. And that was, that was a compliment that came around from someone that I can trust their, what they said. So I, I wrote the code in a way that I hoped it would be inherited in a, in a way that was productive. And that's, that's what I would hope that if you hire, if you're a founder, you're hiring someone that comes across as an, a superior engineer, that they're going to build you something that you can then hand off to your growing team in the same way. And that's what you, that's what you're, that's what you're really aiming for as a founder is to hire people that think about building software for the end user and for the development team that is going to inherit it. That's what you want. Yeah, for sure. Any other 10 times engineer experiences in your background? No, I don't have any. I don't, and, and I don't have any 10x statements to throw at this, uh, this topic. <laughs> <laughs> I've brought, I've brought everything I know. So if you, uh, are listening to this episode and want to see what we're talking about, just do a search on Twitter for 10x. And you will get a slew of the threads that have been started and the jokes. The memes are great. The puns are great. It's been a, quite a week for people that, for an industry that's still growing up. Um, the fact yeah. that we still need compassionate coding as a, as a whole paradigm and the fact that the Twitter sphere is actually attacking these kind of antisocial behaviors shows that our industry is still trying to find a way to integrate software with in the mainstream employment market in a way. And I think it's good um, to do that. It's just, this is one of those things of people are getting fed up with people that act a certain way. And well, the good the good thing is that that there is a strong pushback against this this type of thinking for the most yeah. part. So it's uh, the industry has learned for the most part, and it's just there are individuals within it that that are, still have certain views. So. All right, anything else? Nothing else. Cool. Back just ready to relax at home. I don't have a lake to go out to though. Maybe I'll travel. No, if I travel to you to relax, then I'm traveling. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not coming to visit. We're going to be in Denver in September. We are. So you're so yeah. you're not coming out here in August. 
No. It's a good time. to. <laughs> Maybe the week before. Maybe in September. I'll just come out to, to Kansas for a week, and then we'll just go straight to Denver. We could. It's, I'm really close to Denver <laughs> now. I didn't realize it until I looked at the map. I was like, wait, Colorado is right next to us. Yeah. All right. I think that's it for now. Right, cool, man. Talk to you next week. All right. See you. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. Thank you.